Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Will Wonders. In this episode, I have the pleasure and privilege of talking to Jack Sullivan, director of West Ham Women, star of the BBC television series Britain's Youngest Football Boss, and son of West Ham United co-chairman David Sullivan. I wanted to try and gain an insight into what goes on behind closed doors at one of Britain's biggest football clubs, as well as let Jack tell his story. We talk about his job, his childhood, and of course, all things running a football club. Hello. Hello. Hello, mate. How are you? Boom. So much, so clear and so concise. I have headphones, but I don't think we need them. No, 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 I don't. You sound perfect, mate. You sound almost as good as me. For those of you who don't know, this is the second time Jack and myself have uh, been doing this. Uh, we, we did sit here and do an hour and a half chat. I'm going to try and keep it a bit shorter this time. Um, but due to technical difficulties that were no fault of either of ours, uh, the audio was incredibly shoddy. So we're having a second go. Uh, I, I think it was, how long ago was that? Like six weeks? Six oh, weeks. I'll blame my own audio. <laughs> I'm not blaming yours. It was my own. It was I I because I could hear you, so I was thinking, oh, maybe it's getting recorded just fine. But when I listened back, it was like, <laughs> it was yeah, it wasn't <laughs> no good, no good. Um, but things have moved very quickly and changed massively since we last spoke. Um, how are you finding it in life and in work? You know, post apocalypse, post post lockdown <laughs> and being locked in. Um, yeah, for me, like even during the coronavirus, I was still working. I was working from home. Um, but now we're, we're, well, we're not, well, we are still working from home, but I'm still going to meetings. I'm doing like some more normal stuff and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not living off of zoom as, as we once (laughs) all were. Um, and for us, it's been quite exciting. The players are now back or they've been back for pre-season now. The best part of probably four, uh, four or five weeks now. Um, so we've had four pre-season games we've announced four new partners season tickets have gone on sale we've announced our new venue at, at Dagenham Redbridge um so I've it's, actually it's scored a, really... a goal there from have fact. you yeah yeah cup final top bins no no it was uh when I was at Ilford Reserves we had a cup final there it was a very strange game I think we drew five all or six all in normal time and then went to penalties I obviously scored obviously scored mine but uh some people didn't. Don't know if they'll be listening to this, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I have played there, so uh, I know where that is. And they and they let the side down really well. Oh well, I, I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> but yeah, that, but so yeah. so much has happened since we last spoke. I mean, because I remember when we spoke, you were saying the difficulties of coming back to playing and finishing the season. You know, you've you had women who'd gone home to wherever Korea, Australia, so. Logistically speaking, getting back into, you know, the swing of things, how difficult has that been? Yeah, so it was something we worked with the FA on. We were speaking to the FA pretty much weekly on the phone, all the clubs, and probably and probably say most days over email or 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 on the phone personally with them asking them odd questions, odd things. We've been incredibly lucky where the Premier League have offered us testing as well, um, once a week. So that's been a huge, huge benefit and being able to make sure we got back quicker and safer. Um, so that's been great. And then West Ham have been really good as well to make sure that the sites are, I don't, like, 
COVID free, I suppose. Up, so up to standard, yeah. And everything and making sure all that stuff was was as clean and, and making sure that all the protocols were in place. And we were almost a bit lucky because the men's team, to an extent, they were before us. Okay. Or no, they were, they were before us. So what we did basically was we just lifted all of their protocols and put them into our protocols. Um, but what was probably slightly different was with the housing where if there was a group of foreign players that all flew back and then they would have to self-isolate for 14 days. Um, mm-hmm. we just signed someone um, from America well she's not from America but she's playing in America and she said to come and self-isolate for 14 days um, so she's not even had a game of, she's not even met anyone yet because she literally got picked up in the airport straight into self-isolation so it's it's very strange very different compared to normal um, but it's, it's one of those things where I suppose it's, it's, it's the new norm really and I suppose just, just getting used to it yeah, there's getting used to it and there's getting on with it. Um, you yeah. know, I expect you know they're they're all professionals. This this new signing of yours is probably at home making the most of it, um, getting through all the fitness that she needs to to be ready. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we've we've sent her over like um, as you can imagine, like plans, like every everything she needs. Um, but it's it's one of those things of where, as, as you said, it was it's it's just been a crazy time for, for football in general, really. And it's just been, as you say, getting on with it. I think that's the key of where we all, this is the new norm and it's not a case of, it's it's almost made us all think in a different way, which I actually think in a way probably helps, helps mm. me definitely develop as a person because it's, it's I'm probably thinking so many different situations that I've, I'd probably, most people in, in the workplace had never had to come up against before. So it was interesting yeah, to yeah. figure out all of those, all of those new ways to, to think about things. But it was, it's been, it's been interesting if, if nothing else, but it's been hard. Like if you want to do anything, you've got to jump through like 50 hoops. Like we got an FA on West Ham media day on Wednesday. And even to do all of that stuff, we've had to get people tested, get things checked, get, mm-hmm. uh, get the, the site sprayed, get the cameras, camera equipment sprayed, even finishing off season two of the, the women's documentary, which is out um, on the 5th of September, all of that stuff to get that signed off and done and get them tested before they came to film and wearing masks and all. It wasn't like a simple thing of where we could say, okay, next week we're doing this. It's to jump through all those sort of hoops yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And making sure that everyone is, following those protocols it's difficult it's been difficult for a lot of people um but you said a little snippet of it there i actually hadn't addressed that yet um obviously with your program we've kind of got stuck into your role on the women's team so i'm just gonna pause and go back a little bit for you Mm -hmm. if that's okay um what was you know growing up like your school like um how did that set you up for for your role and for how you are for what you do yeah, so at school I was um so I went my first school I went to like a very small school uh, in Epping, um which was which was like it was nicely lovely lovely <laughs> school. Then I moved to a slightly bigger school when I was about I was about eight years old, um and there very quickly I think within about the first month they realised I was quite heavily dyslexic, which to be honest it never really affected me. It was one of those things where mm. I'd, I'd, the I would get like a reader for exams and. And stuff like that, but it never really sort of had that that much of an effect. I always thought, and I always wonder where 
a lot of people used to think I used to work very hard. And I wasn't sure if that was because of my dyslexia. I've always had to maybe work harder, but I, I don't really know. A little um, 5% and, extra just to yeah, know, try and be honest. I, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's just simply the case of because I, when I was younger, I was dyslexic and I didn't realise I was that I'd have to spend more time longer. learning stuff and doing stuff. And then it just all suppose it followed me through. I was pretty naughty at school as well. Um, uh, which was which was good fun. Um, <laughs> good fun. And then uh, yeah. disclaimer uh, to any kids listening: don't be naughty or cheeky <laughs> at school. It won't end. It won't land you with a TV deal. All right, that's not <laughs> what we're saying here. <laughs> um, but what I think, what I think it did do when when I was naughty at school, and I, I used to be naughty, and then what I learned as when I got older was how to get out of it. So it used to be, I think in, in a way it was, it was quite a, a good, well, I shouldn't be saying this, but it wasn't a good thing to get in trouble all the time. No. But it was almost like. But you learn, was, when you're a kid, you learn your limits, don't you? So, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you learn how you interact with people. With certain teachers, you might do this. With certain teachers, you might mm-hmm. do that. It's probably beneficial for like you going forward um, and for anyone just to f- find out how you interact with people and what people think. Yeah, no, I, I think as well, that's, that's, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Like, I think when I leave school, I, I, I left at, at 16 and I left with pretty good GCSE results. But probably the biggest thing I think people, when people never really take for granted at school is it's all the other stuff that you leave with as well. You leave with the people skills. You leave with learning how to deal with people you don't really like to deal with. You learn dealing with teachers that, uh, that speak down to you or some teachers that are on a different wavelength you learn how to deal with all sorts of different people different ages um your own peers i think that's one of the biggest things that i left school with and i pretty i enjoyed it i enjoyed going to lessons and learning about new things and new stuff like that and and it was overall i've got to say i, I, had, a, I had a really 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 enjoyable time i had some teachers that were that were amazing like and I had a few that, 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 that I didn't get on with quite so much. But I think that's, that's it. I think that's all part of it. I think that's all part of it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. They'd uh, probably say they didn't get on with me. So fair enough. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. I'm, I'm someone that would say I enjoy learning new things. and um, But I guess we might just be nerds. Um, but, or maybe. maybe just me. It's just, it must be the glasses. Um, but anyway, so... You know, you've learned about how to interact with people, where the line is with being cheeky or whatever at school, and then you're thrown into, you know, the world of football. You've gone straight into West Ham, um, but you know, starting from the bottom up, uh, you even worked in the club shop, right? Um, can you tell us about what the plan was from minute one with that, and like what departments you worked in, and how how did was that all laid out? Yeah, so when I was um... When I was well, my last GCSE year, I remember sitting down with my mum and my dad and everything like that, and we were speaking about what should I what should I do next. And to be honest, I was pretty fifty fifty between either going to go do like an apprenticeship at West Ham or or carry on with A levels. And and I had a few bits in mind of what I wanted to do and all that sort of stuff. And my mum was pretty anti me doing that. She was like, look with your dyslexia she spoke to um miss osborne at, at the time who who looked after me um with with all my dyslexia and extra learning and all that sort of stuff and she was amazing and she said it's a lot more writing it's a lot more essay writing stuff like that and she was worried that 
that would have an effect on me. So my mum was quite anti me doing it. My dad was quite like, he was 55, didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he was just like, whatever you want to do. Um, and But he was quite, when he was younger, he was quite the traditional, like he, he did his A-levels, then went to university. Like he did he did everything exactly how, how it should be done. Um, and then, I, I don't know, one day I was like, you know what, I just, I think the right route for me is to is to go and, going I get I got an amazing opportunity and the biggest thing for me is I never really wanted to go to uni mm-hmm. so it was one of those things of where if I didn't want to go to uni the only reason I need a levels was to yeah. be able to go to uni Absolutely. so there was so I was kind of like what's what's the point if I don't do that so we sort of said okay fine won't do that we'll, we'll go we'll go to West Ham and Michelle Gull um who's head of HR at West Ham she basically put together this big timetable um of, of for, for me and I, I remember my first week was with um the player care team or the player where it was one person at the time um Tim um he was I was with him the the first day who, who looked after the players um so that was the that was the first week and then um, I look after do you mean like so, sort of boot man or what is it no so so if he he was basically the um he was basically if they if they needed a house or they needed um, uh, a car, they needed uh, like to be pointed in the right direction to sort out right. Wi-Fi or BT or all these little things you don't really think about because you think this new person literally comes over, make a bank account, yeah, all those sorts of yeah. things. His job was to basically make sure all that stuff ticked. If if their family came over to make sure that cabs were booked for them, um, oh. to basically take the stress out of their life so wow. they could focus fully on football. So that was um, that was my first week. Then I'm trying to think, but I basically went everywhere. So, as you mentioned, worked in the club shop, did marketing, um, did media, did commercial, did comms, uh, communications. So that's all mm-hmm. like dealing with the papers, stuff like that. Um, did finance, did HR, um, worked in the warehouse. Um, I did pretty much uh, worked in the academy for two weeks. So I did it all, all that sort of stuff. And, and basically it was just an unbelievable way of me to learn every single thing about the football club. And I think lots of people, they, they sit there and they think, well, it's a football club. There's a football team. There's a few people behind the ground who work that, you know, because you work in, in TV now as well, mm-hmm. that, that it's such a vast team. There's 300 odd. I worked at the foundation as well. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing job that they do help over 50,000 people in the community every year. Um, and it's, you don't realise it's, it's 300 strong people that work and help run the football club every single day to make sure that the finance is all done, to make sure that all of the stuff being yeah. seen on social media, to make sure that the accreditations are done for the journalists, the cameramen, um, the, the retail stuff's working, make sure you get your shirts on time, to make sure you get your tickets on time for the ticketing team to make sure if you've got any issues with your tickets that they can resolve those. It's all of those stuff alongside, obviously, all, I almost call it the business side and the footballing side. Yeah. Um, and the two are heavily interlinked. There's, there's no denying that. The, the club's biggest superstars are, are the players. There's, 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 there's no denying that. But the people behind the, and the people that are going to sell the shirts and do all that stuff are the players. But the people behind those scenes are superstars in their own right as well because they do such an amazing job to make sure that everything functions and everything mm. is, is done 
but yeah, it, it was it was a really amazing experience. So that that came to uh, that came to an end after about a year, I'd say. No, probably a bit less than that, about eight months. But that and gave you that gave you a really good blueprint of yeah. you know, what's behind the curtain of yeah, and, you know, and I the think Premier League well, and football in general. I think as well, it was kind of where I was there and I, I was sitting in with all these meetings with all these people and they must have found me a bit annoying, but <laughs> I sat there and all I would do is ask questions. Like, I was fascinated. Oh, uh, yeah, like, absolutely. No, you have to. Yeah, you have it's to. stuff I've never even thought of. And it, even where I was, like, you'd think if anyone would have thought of it, it would be me because, you, like, dad's there emailing them all every day yeah. and stuff like that. And I was literally there just, asking question after question, like, what, how do we know about this? What about this? Have we thought this? Have we done this? Have we did this? And it wasn't, it wasn't like me telling them what to do. It was like, I'm genuinely fascinated by I'm curious, how, yeah. how this works. Yeah. Did you, I'm hope, I hope you had a West Ham pen and paper. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I think I got that on my first day um, alongside a West Ham mug. We love um, some stash. Love it. <laughs> so, but it was, it, that was the biggest thing for me. It was the, to soak up as much information and to understand as much as I possibly could. I did that for about eight months, maybe eight to 10, I'd say. And then I did um, corporate sales, which I did. Um, that was, I was horrendous at that. I sold the Chelsea game, um, the Chelsea cup game. And I was basically cold calling people. Like they gave me a big list of people to call and I was there just calling them up. And I, I've never been worse at saying my whole entire <laughs> I swear to you, I must have left, I left someone about a five minute voicemail where I just couldn't get my words out. Just and blabbering. I was, like, I, was, but I wasn't even blabbering. I was just like stuttering, just not really knowing what to say. And I had a script in front of me as well. It was, it was I mean, so embarrassing. I hope you told them you're dyslexic because reading oh, mate, just, for dyslexic people ain't the one. Be horrendous. Mate, I think they must have thought, who is this clown? Which fair play. <laughs> I, I sold my first day, I was absolutely rubbish and um, I didn't do very well at all. And then the second day, I got a bit of success, but not very much. I think I sold about five, five tickets. I then did about another month with marketing and media. Um, which was basically all I did was research for them around other clubs' websites, how they worked compared to our website, content-wise, what I would some content ideas that other clubs do that we don't do. Mm-hmm. It was all that sort of type stuff to basically try and see see how how stuff would work. Some stuff they did and it worked. Some stuff they did and it didn't. But different fan bases react differently to different stuff. It's it's good to try new things and. And yeah, you get a fresh pair of eyes on these things sometimes. Like whether, I mean, the best example for me, um, I probably only remembered this because I work in in television. Um, but Gogglebox was actually the idea came from a runner at the production company. You know, it's it's not the the best ideas don't always come from the most senior person or the ones who, who's worked there you know, long enough, it can come from anyone, but then it's the team around it that, you know, builds it and makes it yeah. the, the thing it is. And Gogglebox obviously gone on to so much success, but you coming in, fresh pair of eyes, it's like anyone coming into a company, you, you want to ask questions, you want to ask, you know, you want to put your ideas across. It might be absolute lunacy, but no one's going to mm-hmm. care because you're the new guy and they're like, oh, well, he doesn't know things yet. But then the one, yeah. one, one idea might 
you know, kickstart something. So, yeah, it's, you you got you got to come in and be bold with those ideas. Yeah, I, I think I think definitely. I was I was quite lucky as well because obviously who, who my who my dad was it was it was help it was easy to get or not but it was heard if I if I thought something then for rightly or wrongly they would, they would listen to me, mm-hmm. um, which which I was which I was lucky with. So, so um, quick one with that. Do you think you know? Because I was wondering, is it like? Did you feel as if it was a big episode of Undercover Boss? Did everyone sort of there not have a clue? Were they like, who's you know, who's this kid? Or did or did they all know? No, they they all knew, which I think at the start was it was helpful and it wasn't helpful. So where it was mm-hmm. helpful was I could speak to like I had meetings with before I ever sat down and did anything, I would meet them all before and they would okay. run me through everything they did. So for that stuff to be able to meet everyone and almost have a presentation from everyone exactly what they did, what worked, what didn't work. That was really fascinating. What probably didn't help was, for example, they would listen to me when they probably shouldn't have, or mm-hmm. or they would, um, or they they might treat me differently to others. But I'd like to think quite quickly they realised that I didn't take things too seriously. I was there for a laugh and. I'd, I'd like to think now that they would they would all think that of where it's it's one of those things of where I sit down I sit with comms and obviously we we well we we try and have a, we try and have a good time and there'll be there'll be some stuff that is is like confidential or they or they don't want dad to listen to it yet and then they have to trust me that that doesn't get to dad mm-hmm. until they're ready to tell dad um, but I think it's I think it was a mixture of of, a, of positive and negative really. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm like, unfortunately, it's a bit it's probably the wrong word, but that's 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 the position I was in, and I've always been part of that of where that's the position you're in, and you have to make the most of it, um, yeah. and, and that's that. And probably without, well, 100% without dad being who he was, there's no way in, in the world I would have become managing director of the women's team at 17. So, no, no, no. so it's, it's that, it's that, that's a that's a cute, I might. I need to figure out how old I was when I did it. I think I was 16 when I first took over, um, which, which, which 100% would never have happened. And I remember I sat down with them and I, I sat down with the general manager at the time um, and, and the manager and the assistant manager. And I said, you know what? I'm probably not going to be the best manager director in the world, but the one thing I can do is I can get things done very quickly. If we need something done, I yeah. can speak to the right people. You can move um, it up a bit faster. Really, yeah. Yeah, and, and your and link with the male, the, the men's club is obviously so much more intimate because of you and your dad's relationship. Yeah, and I could go home and I could say, "Look, dad, what do you think about this and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that?" Um, which, which was, which is probably a, a large part of, of, of my success, really. Um, and I could also, if I wanted something, I could speak to the right people very quickly, and, and I think that was that was hugely important for for me, and and. As I suppose, if we if we go back a little bit, when I decided I wanted to do the women's, I was super young when I when I first really liked the idea of the women's football, well, women's team, and then women's football in general because I saw it on, not only at West Ham but in the UK as a whole, a, a huge place for growth, and West Ham even more so because we're in the third tier, free tickets, about fifty people turn up to matches, the players were part time. Um, 
on. I don't even know. I, I think they might have been on twenty quid a week when I first when I first came and 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 then we upped it and then obviously now that they're, they're all they're all full time professionals. So it it's it's been a it's been a crazy crazy journey and the amount I've learned doing that, which is almost you're doing all of those jobs on the job, yeah. is, has been pretty pretty amazing as well. Um, did you did you know much about women's football? when you first went into it? I know you said like you recognise it as this as this massive growth industry, similar to Brad in the episode I had with him. But you know, I can I can see that. I think but I I'm not I'm not an expert on women's football. I, I can talk a bit about it. I can I know a few of the players. Um but when you when this sort of first was an idea in e- in either your dad's head or in your head or when it was first formulating, were you kind of thinking crap I better you know start looking at Wikipedia <laughs> yeah so so when I was it was an interesting one when I was about um, I want to 14 maybe I think it was the there was a World Cup Frank Kirby was Frank Kirby was amazing that World Cup mm-hmm. um, I think it was in Canada in America um, and that was when I was like oh this is this is like good like this is really good then when I was about well when before before I took the women's job, I went to watch us against Tottenham. We lost four one, and it's interesting when you talk about knowledge of the women's game, because the knowledge that I needed was not of the women's super league. No. We were in the third division, so the knowledge I needed was we we couldn't bring in those women's super league players because they mm. wouldn't have come. Mm. We couldn't those championship players maybe at a push, and what I needed to learn and it probably took me six months to learn was that third division and to learn the big players in that third division who was in that third division. And then you've got to be, and something that I've, I've been super lucky with, especially with appointing Matt, my, my most current manager is you've got to trust your staff as well. These people have been in around women's football for a long time. Um, and you've got to trust those staff that they're able to basically guide you with that yeah they know, um, they know their their craft don't they you've got yeah. to... and they they and sometimes they they know players that have been off the map for a year or or they haven't or haven't been anywhere especially when you're in the third division it's a very very different cell yeah. it's a bit of a cruel way of saying it but you're you're trying to still um if you it'd be you and charlton arguing over a player and, and it would be whoever wins that sort of battle then it would be mm. Okay, what about is there is there a goal score in the division below that's done really well? Is there a few players in the championship that aren't getting a game? How do we try and get those out? And it was having those relationships with those people that they would kind of whisper and they'd kind of say, "Have you um have you thought about this one or this that and the other?" And to be honest, towards the end, we signed Rosie and, and Molly Kamisa, um, and, and Rosie obviously joined us in the in the women's super league as well. And 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 towards the end of the uh, end of the, that first season, we had the best um, team by far in that division. It was it was between us and Charlton, um, and I remember I remember it vividly. Where that November we lost six 0 to Charlton at home. It was, it was um, and then in the final we played Charlton in in in, in a cup final later that season, and we and we won two one. Mm. And that for me was when I was kind of like, you know what, we've actually got this team right now. Yeah, that this, it's, it's so good when you, you see progress like that in in anything you do. I mean, yeah, for you, you're trying to build this team, build, and you, and with football, it's so it's a results business. There's nothing else to it, sadly. 
Yeah, um, it, it seems it seems ridiculous as well. Where you go from, and and that's what that division, uh, tier three is like. It's called the National League now, of where you could go from losing a game three nil to winning a game three nil with two players. It yeah. sounds ridiculous, but we no, improved no, our goalkeeper. We then signed. It's, it's, we then signed a midfielder and a winger. It completely changed how how we performed, and, and the transfer window didn't exist in that division as well. It was a seven day approach, so you literally sent someone a letter and was like, "Oh, we're going to approach your player in seven days," and they couldn't really do anything about it. Um, and, That's unless, interesting. Yeah, it, it is. It is interesting, and and I'm trying to think if we had any. Who who left us? Just trying to think, but but we we took advantage of it with with a few. But most of the time, if, if they were happy at their club, they they wouldn't go, and it would be almost that the club would say you're not going to play for us anymore, and then mm-hmm. they would almost approach us saying, "Can you put in a seven day request for me?" Yeah. Like that sort of type of stuff. All the clubs would approach us and say that. Um. So obviously that was that was the first year, and then during all of this, there was a huge application process going on for the for the Women's Super League, um, which we, we applied for. And I remember sitting in the meeting and it was me and there was head of marketing, head of which, finance. And the Women's Super League at that point, sorry, was that, that was new, right? This is for the new Women's Super League. Or yeah, so, yeah, so so it's been about, but there was there was a restructuring. Yeah. So it, yeah, was, yeah. it was called the Women's Super League, but there, there's, there, there was a restructuring of, they basically said, because there was a few teams that that couldn't be in it anymore, that, mm. that couldn't basically afford to be in it anymore. And there was a few teams that were desperate to be in it. So they basically sat him on down and said, basically, here's an application process, which was, I think it was, um, I think it was a hundred and something pages of, <laughs> of basically compliance of what you had to comply to. Cheers. Um, that would be a fun read. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was loads and loads and loads of stuff and basically you had to put together so we put so we answered all of those questions in those compliance then we put together a powerpoint um and then also we put together a video um it was all three bits basically all, all three bits put put together and my general manager at the time karen she she worked so so hard on on getting all of that together um alongside everyone at the football club and I got to say the first meeting when I sat down with them all, and I was like, "Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this," and you, you you stick 150 pages in front of everyone. That you must have all thought, "Who is this kid?" Like telling me. <laughs> um, mm. So, but thankfully, thankfully they they all they all got behind it. We're we're quite lucky at West Ham. We've got a lot of the heads of the department are female. So right, I think, I think they were quite pro getting the women's team um, to mm. to to be seen basically and. And even our last game of of the of the season, we got I think we won like seven nil or something like that, and um, and we we got something like I think we got two thousand two hundred to to the game, which really really impressed the FA that that we, that we could do that when we when we got behind it, we marketed it, and we worked really hard. Um, and then you, so that, quick, quick one on that, would you rather have? Say I don't know what's the maximum attendance at Dagenham? Is it six thousand or something? Six. Yeah. Oh come on, I'm good. Um, okay, so would you rather have, you know, say West Ham are playing Tottenham or some um, the women's teams? Would you rather have six thousand sort of attend that and you lose one nil, or you got a hundred or you got five hundred people in the crowd and you win four nil? 
it's a real catch twenty two. Um, mm. We, I think, I think it's good, and I'm not really going to answer the question. Um, That's fine. Good, you don't have to, mate. <laughs> it's good. It's good if you can do both. So course, we we got yeah. twenty four thousand in uh, at the London Stadium for the Tottenham game this summer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not yeah, earlier this season. Uh, mm. I think I'm trying to think when it was like set. It was like it was when uh, late, all, all late the clubs September. did it, didn't they? Because yeah. Everton, I worked on a feature at Ev- with Everton mm-hmm. Women's, and they beat Liverpool uh, at Anfield. And Gary Lineker mm-hmm. said that you know that Liverpool hadn't been beaten at Anfield in however long. And uh, one, yeah. of the Everton, one of the Everton women, women tweeted him back, like, hang on, <laughs> you're wrong. We beat the Merseyside derby, thank you very much. Um, but yeah, you're but right, no, I think it was mid-September or something. Yeah, it was, it was late, it was like probably, I don't know, 26th or something like that, September. Um, and, and we lost that game. And I, feel, I still feel if we won that game, there's 24,000 people there. You've got such an audience then to, and we still did it. We still tried our best to, to, to go out to the fan base and try and get them to become season goals, try and do this, try and do that. But if you win, and we see it with our, we see it with our, with our emails and stuff like that. Our our engagement on those emails, if we if we win, is so much better because the supporters are so much happier. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course it so, does. Of course it does. Yeah. So so they they want to hear from West Ham or they want to hear from West Ham women, and you can't beat that winning feeling. There's no coincidence that. Man United, Liverpool, um, those sorts of t- clubs are the best support clubs in the world. It's because they're the most successful. People want to, mm-hmm. people want to be. They want a piece of, of that success, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, 100%. It's, everyone buys into that same idea. I've been watching The Last Dance on uh, Netflix, um, you know, about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, and it there's like so there's a few different shots of the people in the crowds, you know when they've won a yeah. game. And I think it was their owner, Jerry something, I think. He was saying, um, you know, when they've won it the third time or the fourth time and they're looking out at the crowd and in this park, there's you can't see any greenery. There's just faces upon faces upon faces and everyone there is smiling. Everyone there is happy. He's like, wow, we've done something quite amazing here. It might, I mean, I couldn't really imagine doing being part of something like that. At the like as a as a, you know in my job or or in anything really so to be a part of you know replicating a slice of that you know having a chance at winning a game and seeing your fans being really happy that must be that must be quite special yeah a hundred percent but it's, it's the reverse when you lose so it's it's one of those where it's, it's mm-hmm. i think with football it's it's a hugely emotional sort of thing especially when you work in it where Fans, and I know some fans, some fans do and some fans don't. Some fans, you can, you go home, you finish the game, you, you're pissed off for the evening, maybe maybe Sunday. Then by Monday, you're probably okay. With with us and with everyone involved with it, especially the management team and with me, it's definitely on the women's, I've seen it. And I, I, I look at dad and I, go, I don't know how he's done it for 25 years on a, on a completely different Premier League scale to a, to a, to a women's super league scale um, of where it's seriously stressful if, if you if you lose a game you back in on you're thinking about it Sunday you, you're thinking about it Monday you're trying to trying to figure out what went wrong then you're trying to build for the next game to make sure the uh, your last game doesn't be affected you're you're trying to trying to you're still trying to do everything the best you can you're dealing with 
sponsors that, and you're dealing with all of those sorts of things where when things aren't going well, it's tough because they're all, everyone's asking why and, and it, it falls on your head to, to, to come up with the answer or, and not, no, well, not or, but, and change the results. You, you have to change the results. Your job there is to make sure that you're winning as much as possible and, and you're doing as well as possible. And that's been a, a huge thing for me and it's it's a huge emotional roller coaster and it, it really really is and I think in a way that's that's why we love football yeah um but it's it's a hugely it's a stressful environment to work in I think there's no coincidence when you see the managers when they first get a job they look 10 years younger to, compared no. to about Christmas time when they look like their hair's about to fall out people do joke about look- it but it is it is legit who who was one of the more recent ones might have actually been Moyes <laughs> But they, they, I think there's, there's been a few. There's been there's been Ollie, Ollie. Oh uh, God, Ollie, yeah. Uh, he put put about and, twenty uh, years on, didn't he? Yeah, and I think um, Eddie Howe as well. And it doesn't mean they're a bad manager. It just means that they can be burnt out. Really, I think mm-hmm. when you look at the Arsene Wenger's, I know you're an Arsenal fan. When you look at Arsene Wenger's, or you look at the um, the the Sir Alex Ferguson's, you have to look at them and go, "Wow, you have done." To stay at the top for that long, yeah, incredible, and to stay that determined and stay that, um, to stay alive, stay that to, healthy, yeah, to, to stay alive for that long is, <laughs> is, is is generally so amazing. Such high stress, yeah, yeah. And, and for them, it's even it's super high stress. It's it's one of those where it's like, it's it's the stress of not winning the league or, or not finishing fourth and and that sort of type of stuff as well. So, I absolutely take my hat off to them. Quick one on uh you know your your sort of uh aficionado of women's football now and if you had to convince any listeners who might not have watched it or to watch it what 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 points would you pick up on you know what what makes it different i think there's a few bits so there's there's one where the girls are, are very personable they're very they're then they're not on these huge massive wages like like the men's team are and and Obviously, due to the crowds being smaller, it can be more personable where the, the girls can spend more time signing autographs, doing this, doing that. The men's team do it, but it's very difficult to go around and sign mm-hmm. 60,000 autographs. And um, also, you've got the stewards there sort of holding the kids back mm-hmm. and, and they, they can be reluctant because of the exact same reason. That stress we were talking about, they've got, they're trying to focus. The, it's a high-pressure situation. It's not that the women's aren't, but the stakes are probably slightly low lower is that fair and i i think it's i i think also as well i'm not sure if this is i don't know if this is the correct thing to say but they're because they're female and i think they're trying to grow the game themselves they're right. mm-hmm. they, they know they they, see, they know they, they have to do it girl, yeah yeah it's, it's part of their job where if they see a little girl it's, it's part of it's, it's almost part of their duty and they almost mm. see themselves in that little girl a little bit where i think with with the men's side of the game, the the game is huge, and there's also so much content and so much you can see Ronaldo interview tomorrow. You can see this, you can see that. With mm. with the women's, it's it's not quite as easy. Um, no. But and I, I think I think that's that's a big plus point. I think um, it being small is a big a big plus point as well. Where you can go to these, it's almost like a blast in the past. You can go to these maybe these smaller grounds and. And you can be right up close, and you can you can see the tackles flying in. 
probably the third point is they all they all try and play football. Um, there's there's some real good footballing sides in um, in the women's super league now. I think I think to be honest, pretty much all of them all try and all try and play all try and play. Uh, the fifth is is it's it's much cheaper than the men's as well. <laughs> although always although a factor. Yeah, it's massive. I think if you're bringing a kid or something, it's it's something like why wouldn't you? Yeah, hundred percent. I think we we've looked at it and it's our season tickets are like two pound fifty per match if you break it down. So but then, but then it's not even even if you're a rich guy who loves football and you know you've got two kids, if you've not got those tickets yet for your Arsenal or your Chelsea, like it, it's so difficult to even find them. You know, um, at the big clubs uh, at West Ham. I don't know. I mean, I, I just know from experience as an Arsenal fan how difficult it is to get a season ticket or a ticket there. So the the difficulty is another thing. It's like, okay, well, why why am I going to chase people around when, you know, I can just take my little girl to see the women, the women play? I think 100% as well. Also, the thing with it as well, I say this to quite a lot of people, if you've got like a young daughter or young son and you don't think they can sit still for 90 minutes, you probably aren't going to want to spend £30 on a children's ticket and 60 70 £80 on your ticket. Mm. Where with the women's and you want to get them into football a little bit, you want them to see it, you want them to start to think about it. It's a very easy way for them to watch it. And also, if the bottom line is if they get bored after 60 minutes, then if you want to go, you can go. The other thing that's very different compared to men's football is the, uh, the away fans and the home fans, a bit like rugby, they can sit together. Most of the time, they do sit together. We, we've got an away section at West Ham. However, it's one of those things where if the away fans sit with the home fans, then, then it's not an issue. Mm. Um, so I think in, in that, that case, it's, so it's quite a, It's nice got to be friendlier then, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real family atmosphere and, and friendly atmosphere. And I think where it's very different is every single person there wants to grow they want to be grow the women's game they want to be part of the women's game if a if a player leaves it happens a little bit with the men's but if a player leaves a, a club like let's say Gilly leaves Chelsea um to to join us there'll be lots of Chelsea fans that will look out for her and want want the best for her mm-hmm. they'll want to see her win they'll want to see her do stuff i suppose the most recent example for me is probably Santi Gazzola where i know the arsenal fans were, were very behind him and yeah. when, whenever he was, whenever he was doing well, so I think it's a similar sort of thing of where, but it happens quite often in in the women's game, and, and it's it's almost like, although you follow your team, you follow lots of players as well. Yeah, which someone else was someone nice. else was saying that to me that, you know, you can't you might have a few favourite players, and no matter what team they play for, you sort of just follow to see them to see them do well. Yeah, yeah. and you'll check their results. You'll check things like that. Like even now with me, I. I I suppose it's a bit different for me, but I always, I always look out for some of our ex-players to see how they've got on and see if they've done well. And mm-hmm. I always want, as long as it's not against us, then I, <laughs> I, I, want, I want to see them do as, do as best as possible. So the other thing that's almost gone hand in hand with your time as uh, director at West Ham Women is the television show, Britain's Youngest Football Boss, which is a term I haven't actually used yet uh, to address you. Um, so Britain's Damn. young Britain's youngest football boss. How did that come about, mate? Um, yeah, so that one was a really interesting one. So Chelsea, um, Adrian at Chelsea, he um basically was helping us or 
I actually went to Chelsea Man City Women's when we were in the third division to see, and we were applying to be in the WSL at the time. And I was, I was seeing how that worked and how a match day worked at Chelsea, who Chelsea are probably, or Chelsea are the best supported team in the Women's Super League. So mm -hmm. I wanted to see how that worked for them, basically. So I sat there and I, I basically watched the game, saw that all the fans, looked at how they sold tickets, looked at all that sort of type of stuff. And on my way out, Adrian said to me, oh, Jack, uh, how are you? So I've not been able to speak to you tonight. Um, take my card and let's catch up. So I took his card. I emailed him in the, uh, in the Uber on, on the way home. And, um, and I said, look, it'd be great, great to, to sit down and meet you and to hear about your ideas, hear about your thoughts at Chelsea, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, stuff like that. So he said, yeah, no problem. I think he came in a few, a few weeks later. We basically sat down and discussed everything, discussed, he said, free tickets don't work. People, people see it as mm -hmm. devaluing the product. They don't really like to buy them. That's what Willie um, Kirk at Everton said to me as well. Yeah, I think, I think it's probably right as well. At the time, I thought free tickets, no, people love free tickets. But the more I look at it now, the more it, it didn't work. It, it really, really didn't. Um, and it's kind of like one of those things of where he said lots of other things, what, what worked for them, marketing stuff that worked for them, um, and, and all, all these other things, players that were possibly available that we could take if we did go, if we did get into the Women's Super League. Probably two or three months later, he messaged me and said, oh, I've got this production company that, that came to meet you. And I said, look, I'd, I'd love to. Let's sit down. Um, we sat, I, I sat down with them. I met them at the, at the West Ham um, coffee um, cafe, which is just below the, the club shop. Um, we sat down, we got chatting. I said, look, like, what do you want to do? And they said, oh, we, I, we spoke to Adrian. He actually went to school with Adrian, the, the, one of the owners of, of, the, of the company called, called Dove. And um, he, sat, he sat there and he said that we spoke to Adrian and basically what we'd love to do is we'd love, love to do a, a documentary about your journey, the team's journey. It's the first year in the Women's Super League. We love women. Like we think women's football, there's a great angle and there's a great spike at the moment and there's, a real, there's real energy about it and we'd love to, to, to create a TV show. And at the, at the time, I was like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one. I, I was quite pro it i then spoke to the club the club were very nervous well um, i guess it's it's an insight to something that people don't normally get an insight to which some people might hear that and say oh my god that's amazing but then other certain people might say mm, we you know we're going to be giving away a lot of ourselves here you know we've got to be very careful um i think at the, at the time as well we were a completely unknown quantity as well. We were going in to be a professional football team. We've just signed a manager, I think. And we were probably in talks with 20-odd players. And it was <laughs> kind of one of those where, looking back now, I'm pleased I did it, but looking back now, it could have been an absolute disaster. It could have been a real <laughs> laughing stock of a documentary. Well, we imagine if you didn't have that squad at the start of the first game of the season. Imagine if you couldn't it could have been get anything. a team out. It, 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 really, it, really, it really, really could have been anything. And we weren't commissioned for a long time, a long, long time. 
and, and we, they were in talks with BBC Three and they were still filming. They were in talks with BBC Three and still filming. And then eventually it, it came to a head of where BBC Three commissioned us for 10, 10 episodes over like eight months over the mm-hmm. season. And then basically they went out one by one, dropped on BBC Three, uh, went, went down really well. It was a real positive series, that, that series. And, and obviously we topped off with a Wembley Cup final, which I think for them was an absolute dream yeah, end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was one of those, it was, it was a, it, like, look, we went to Wembley, we wanted to win, but we, we knew it was going to be a hell of an ask. Um, and it was one of those things of where it, it was, and I said it in the documentary, and it's very cheesy, but it was almost like winning going. Like like for yeah, us in our yeah. first personal year and my second year um, as, as women's managers directors to get to an FA Cup final, which was always my, my biggest aspiration. I, I still think it's the biggest game in women's football, um, definitely in, the, in, in England. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it was, well, when we played, it was in front of 42,000 people, 2.6 million people watched it on on TV. It's um, huge. It's huge. Yeah, so it's, so it's huge. And, and um, so for us, it was, it was massive. And, and when we got there, it was, it was great. Um, it did so well. It got put onto BBC One. And, and as you said, it, 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 it did amazing. It did a lot better than what any of us expected. Remember the first week, it, did, it didn't do great viewers, uh, viewership. And, and Dove and Curious, they were a bit scared it was going to be taken back off of BBC One. Mm-hmm. And then the second week, it did amazing, did really, really well and got a big audience share for the, for the time as well. So that was a big thing for us. Um, and then it just it seemed to trickle out and, and, and the audience seemed to either sustain or grow, which was, which was really, really good. Um, it was like something on BBC One, it was saying like 1.4 million people were watching it, 1.5 million people, plus all the viewers on iPlayer as well. Um, and it was, I, th- I think it, w- it was amazing. It, it almost did better than, than any of us expected. Um, and then, obviously, the, se- the second season is, is due to come out soon, um, early, early September, which is, which is really exciting for us all. And that's going to go on to BBC One as well, alongside, um, alongside BBC Three and, and iPlayer. And um, I've got to say, what the BBC have done for, for women's football has been, been amazing as well. And mm-hmm. they've really, really got behind it. And we were, I suppose in a way, we were probably quite lucky we were, we were part of that. Yeah. Um, but, but what we hope, and the, always the idea for the show was, was to try and get people talking about women's football and thinking about women's football. And it wasn't just them coming to West Ham because it was going everywhere. Um, it, was, it was about getting people to go to their local women's football team um, and, and to start to support them. Or, and I, I even say it's as simple as them following West Ham women on, on social media. Yeah, or it's them, an exchange. A hundred percent. And then it starts that cycle of their thinking about women's football. And it can also then help the women's teams as well, because the more followers and the more audience we have on at games, on our social channels, watching us on BBC, watching us on BT, watching us on the FA player, all of those things all help us when we go and renegotiate that TV deal or when we go and speak to, um, or when we go and speak to a, uh, a brand to, to partner with the club, all of that stuff helps like hugely. It's a huge, huge part of what we can do because it then shows the club is, is, is a, is as big as it is. Like, 
when we first started, we didn't have a single follower on Instagram. We didn't even have an Instagram account. <laughs> and, now, and now we've got 100 and, 107,000 on there. Um, our, our social, all of our socials have, have, have gone up massively. Our Facebook's gone up dramatically as well. I think our Facebook um, might have quadrupled what since since I've been since I've been in in charge and, and Twitter the Twitter the same. And I just think what we've done in such a short space of time. And and I, I say we bold and underlined because without everyone else around me at, at West Ham, it would it wouldn't have happened at all. I've been lucky. I've worked with such clever people and such honest, hardworking. Um, amazing amazing people that have got so behind the women's team and I'm, I'm so lucky that that's been the case I look at some women's teams I, w- I won't name names and I don't think they they get behind it as, as much as they should um where with us is we we really really have and I think hopefully and and I think we I think they have is the supporters can see that as well and so can the um the people who, who watch the program, mate, I think can see it. I, th- I think the program before it even started, you know, you were saying people want to get behind women's football. Um, and I think people, you know, who click that, they're thinking, right, yeah, let's come on, let's get behind this. Let's support this. But then I think another element, you know, you speak about the, the Royal We quite a lot. You know, you, your background staff, you speak very highly of them. But with the program itself, um, you know, when it starts and you're sort of, stumbling mumbling about like oh, it, oh am i am i doing it right um, is that okay it's it's a different angle to a director of a football team and it is i think people after seeing the way you are and in places in that program how nervous you are about your role and about the team i think they get behind you as well which yeah. like you like you were saying earlier that that bit in particular really could have gone another way. Like, it, yeah, it, 100%. And I, but people I've spoken to about it, like, oh my God, like, how, how cool is that? How, like, I think, it, I think there was a lot of people when they probably see the title um, and they, and they see everything like that, that they almost, I think they, they, they're generally intrigued. And I think they're thinking this is going to be an absolute shambles. And I think that <laughs> almost played into our hands a little bit, especially with the, with the viewership. Mm. Um, and I, I think it was almost one of those where people probably thought about it and they probably clicked on it because they thought, well, this is going to be horrendous. Especially at the start, they probably thought that as well when, when, you, when I'm mumbling over the words. The second series is good. The second series is a lot more about the team. And I think it was an interesting, it was an interesting year, obviously due to COVID and all that stuff. But after the success of the first season, in the women's super league, it was there was a lot of expectation for the mm. next season, yeah. which I still think we did incredibly well. Like we we become a a force in the women's super league, but it probably was not quite as well as what we wanted to do. So the second season is very honest, and you see the you see the good, bad, and the ugly, and, and you you really really do. That's um, good. I think people want to see that as well. You know, you don't you don't want. I mean, look at the success of. Um, all or nothing on Amazon Prime. You know, you mm-hmm. don't. People don't want to buy into this idea that everything's perfectly manicured. It's the, that that's part of football as well. It's the gossip and the drama of what was said in the changing room or who what, who said you know that to him on the pitch. And 
um, I think I think people like that. Um, like they like being on a, a fly on the wall in 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 yeah. places which they otherwise wouldn't have a chance. Um, well, yeah, no, it's definitely definitely for me that the the Sunderland documentary is my favourite ones. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I love those Sunderland ones. And I, I think really the Tottenham up in the first season. Yeah, it's emotional. I think the Tottenham one's going to be amazing uh, as well. I think it's, it's well, so I think it's going to be well. hilarious. So. Um, but talking about filming, what's been your most fun day filming? Is there one that sticks out? or? To be honest, um, probably whenever we, when it, whenever we win. So if we win, it's it's a good day. If we lose, it's a bad day. If we're, if we're, if we're doing something fun, like going to Wembley, then it's a fun day. If it's... Uh, if it's have, you, have you had any Mariah Carey moments where like you have lost and you're like, no, not today? You I went, well, out. You'll see it. You'll see it at the end of se- at the uh, in season two. Oh, nice! We lose. <laughs> we lose. Um, we go two 0 up against Reading, and we um, and we end up losing three two. Then you strut straight do, out there. I do absolutely lose it. No, I do the interview, but I lo- I chose very Jose Mourinho moments. I very Jose Mourinho moments. <laughs> and I'm just, so. I, I really can't wait to see that. I apologise straight after. I felt terrible, but. It's um, hey, it's, mate, it's uh, passion. It's passion. Um, so that show's obviously given you more attention um, than you already had, and you are probably already had quite a lot. Um, you know, with one point three million people, I think it was uh, watching it on BBC One at, uh, at its peak. That show, um, but then negative and positive, they both go hand in hand with football. Um, how do you deal? with the negative attention you know it's all well and good saying i oh, you know everyone's loves women's football and this that and the other but realistically there must be some negative stuff and you know like as simple as the insta dms how do you how do you personally deal with that so a huge part of the reason i did the documentary was to get pr for women's football and get eyeballs on women's football I'd say we've been quite lucky when 95% of it's been positive because mm-hmm. the girls come across great as they are great. And yeah, I, I think it's like anything with, with the negative comments, it's, it's weird. Like I read them all. I read every, I read, I try and read as much as I can. And on Instagram, it's more difficult because it's all on DM mm-hmm. on Twitter. It's easier because they're notifications. So I try and read as much as, as, as they'll let me read. They don't always send you as, uh, everything. But what all of my notifications I, I will read and I'll look at and I'll I'll I will ninety five percent of it or no a hundred percent of it if we can correct it we'll try our best to correct it. So there was someone the other day who actually he messaged me this was on Instagram and he, he mentioned about the about he couldn't he was struggling to renew his season ticket. That is real positive feedback because then it's a way of where we can look at it. We can see why that's happened. Mm-hmm. We can try and make sure that doesn't happen again. If someone says something as well, even if it's abusive or swears or whatever, and there's some sort of logic in that, or there's there's a there's something constructive you can there's constructive, take from it. and I think that's the way that we have to look at it. And there's uh, there's no I don't think there's any bad criticism for me. I think it's all part of it. It's all part of football. You're in a very emotive emotional sport um where the highs are amazing the downs are terrible and i think that's part of football and i think 
Mm. We have to take that and we have to take our supporters and we have to make sure that we're, we're doing all we can to make sure that those supporters are, are feeling as happy as they can be. But, but and then what, what that, can, that... that can almost influence how you run the club the best yeah. you can as well. But some, but some um, can be personal and some, not all of it is about the club, you know, and how, that sort of negative stuff, how do you deal with that? Like as a, as a person yeah. in your position? I remember the BBC last year, they paid, um, I think they, they did some promo on, on the Lad Bible. I think it was Lad Bible. Or it was like Uni Lad or Sport Bible. It was one of those um, for the first episode of documentary. And it was like a three-minute clip. And it was not a good three minutes. <laughs> and I remember getting absolutely rinsed in the comments. And I, when I say rinsed, I mean absolutely rinsed. Lad Bible does I, open you up to that, I think like rinse I and to be honest I don't mind it I've since I've been like 13 I had a um I've, I've been I used to tweet transfer news to West Ham which mm -hmm. in hindsight I don't think I would do now um and I don't do now um but it opened me up to to that that criticism quite young mm -hmm. of where people would say x or they'd say y um so I think for me it's it was interesting to almost I've had that since I've been young so you got a mental so toughness to it. Yeah, mental toughness. And I think for me, it's one of those things of where it's, there's, there's two things for me. One, when I first took over the women's team, I, the comments then, they were bad. They were like, what, what are you doing? Stupid decision, whatever, whatever. And with some swear words thrown in as well. But what I would like to think is, hopefully my actions spoke louder than, yeah. than the words then. Mm -hmm. and, and, and unfortunately, like anything, those sorts of things, it takes time to turn things. It takes time to make things happen. Um, and, and hopefully you'd look back now and a lot of those people who wrote in those comments, they would hopefully say that, you know what, I was, I was wrong and he's actually done quite a good job. Um, and, and also, secondly, I think as well, you've got to listen to your, to your staff around you. You've got to listen to your... Um, to your friends and to your family and it's when they say things to you then you've got to then start looking at things and going well is this wrong mm. and what I do is what I'm doing wrong and it's that sort of type thing as well of where they should be able to see the end goal that you see and if, if it's clouded then there's an issue Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important and transparency is really really important if someone if I'm doing something wrong yeah, you want you want need, a best mate to point that out to you, don't you? I need a best mate to point that out. I need a a, a, a staff member on the business side or or on the on the West Ham side. I need them mm. to point that out, and then we need to discuss it. We need to speak about it, and if there's still an issue, then we 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 try and resolve that. Or they might say, "Look, actually, I can see where you're coming from," or or I might turn around and nine times out of ten, this is what happens. I turn around and say, "Okay, I can see where you're coming from." let's try a different way or we let's don't do like this. yes men do we no it, it's horrendous the worst it's the most do you know what yes men i think it's the worst thing that any person can have it's the worst worst thing i think you want people who want to do things you need people who are very determined they want to do things mm -hmm. they want to do as much as possible they want to push things forward um you don't want no men either no <laughs> men either are horrendous if you ever want to do something and they just say no to everything then you end yeah. up going nowhere and you end up not mm -hmm. growing. And to be honest, even with the documentary, like 
there was a lot of people, as we said, a lot of people at West Ham were like, you cannot do this. And it was one of those things where I was kind of like, we are. And it was in, it was in my head of where <laughs> you it was knew like, that You knew what you wanted to do with it. Yeah, and, and I, I trusted my... They were, and they were worried about and you. They, they all say no, <laughs> but they were worried about me saying, we're, saying stupid things and doing stupid things. And that's what they were worried about. Yeah. And I knew in my head that, touch wood, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it didn't, and thankfully it didn't happen. Um, so, so you don't want no men as well, but you want somewhere in between of where yeah. you want very logical people honest. who want the best for the football club, honest. And then the more you can discuss things, the better, I think. I really, really do. And I think the more that, you're working as a team the the more success you're 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 going to have i think and i think that's really really important and you want to have a pretty clear vision of where people can see what you want to do and then all of the team around you um i don't know how we've started on hate and we've gone to this but all the team <laughs> around you has the same sort of vision of where you can get to that yeah. and then hopefully the fans can start to see that full full circle Hopefully the fans <laughs> can see that and then they can get behind that vision as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. I think that's important. I really, really do. Um, I Any think it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tough, it's a very emotional thing for a lot of them, uh, for, for everyone and for, for us as well. And I think that's the most important thing for me where, and it's the same with the, with the stewards and everyone, like you have to realise that there's an emotion with with football like no other, like, it's one of those things. It's where they, like, you can't change. Or it's very, very rare that someone changes their football club, mm-hmm. um, and it's that sort of thing of where you're you're generally carrying. It's almost like they will. It's it's their football club. It's it's like their house. It's like yeah. their everyone. It's like what we're saying. Everyone wants a piece of that thing. And my next sort of question is sort of bang on this line of thought. Um, it means so much to so many people myself included um just trying to explain its role football's role in yours and your personal like family life because it you know a lot of people say oh yeah i i love football i know football but then your involvement in it from for you i mean how how young i mean has your dad always owned a football club whilst you've been alive yeah so ever since i've been born he has um so you're intrinsically linked with footy like, mm-hmm. Try and explain that to some to us. Yeah, until I was about eight, to be honest, I didn't really have much interest in it. Or no, it had been six. It had been six, and then I watched the 2006 World Cup where we lost to Portugal. Mm-hmm. I think it's 2006 World Cup. Ricardo and, um, has, uh, had his gloves off. Say so yes, apparently. And um, and uh, that's when I fell in love with it. And then ever since then, and it's. It's definitely now, 100% now. It is literally, I suppose if you go further back then, it used to ruin some holidays. It used to ruin everything. <laughs> it used to be the case of, that was the time where we were trying to get deals done for players and we, yeah. we used to argue at the dinner. I generally mean argue, shout, scream at mm-hmm. each other at the dinner table, like, why well, are you doing this? Why are you yeah. doing this? And it's even that even sort of I, thing. Even I've punched the sofa quite a few times as a kid. <laughs> so I can imagine if I had a say in anything, to do with but, that club. And to be honest, I, I, it would be frustrating. 
it's naive to say I've got a say because I don't. It's it, every mm. every decision made. No, is, I know, but if you're manager sat at dad, but table, I'm there then. and I'm listening to it all. And, and you're like, what? <laughs> and especially as you grow older, you get a bit, you get a better yeah, opinion, you course. get a bigger opinion. You deal with more people in football. You speak to them a lot more. Yeah. Your your opinion gets more and more refined and more and more educated. And, and you're not it a stroppy more, child more, anymore, like I was, punching you know, yeah. the sofa. <laughs> and it gets more grey as well, to be honest with you. And I think, and that's that's a, a weird analogy, but when you're younger, you think everything's black and white. And you think this is it's either one way or it's the other way. Yeah, you can't see you can't see any other way. And I think the more you grow older, the more you your opinion probably grayens of where yeah. you know there's different ways to do things. This is a certain way that works for someone. This is a different way that works for. Someone. Probably in all life, to be honest, but it's and I've we I've been so lucky where I've had a father where and and Dave the same of where he'll tell us pretty much everything. Mm. So we're constantly making our own decisions or our own minds up about his decisions. Yeah. Sometimes, well, nine times out of ten, he's right, um, and then probably less so me and Dave, but it's interesting to get that sort of education and, yeah, and understand that knowledge and his thought and so, process on things. Yeah. Thought process, everything. And it's not only that, it's when we go to football, you're speaking to Trevor Brookin, you're speaking to David Gold, you're speaking to all these successful businessmen and footballers and all things like that. And, and understand that their decision making and their sorts of, and you're constantly making your decision better. But I suppose back to your original question is, how involved is football in my life? I can swear to you, especially with what I do, I wake up, all I do is work on football. I go to bed. I dream about football. Watch football. <laughs> Watch football. I swear, that's literally, I, mm. when someone's like, I, I swear to you. In your downtime, you play single, some FIFA. <laughs> there's not a single minute, well, there probably is a single minute, but there's probably, there's definitely not a single hour where something not, about yeah. West Ham women's West Ham, um, some other club does not cross my mind of where I'm like, oh, why, why don't we do that? We do that. I watch a football game now. Completely differently. Yeah. I watch everything completely. We were speaking about this as well. And yeah. especially with what I do for the women's, I, I, I look at commercial sponsorship, I, marketing, all that sort of stuff is, is a large part of what I do. And I'll be watching a football match. I'll be watching the football match. I'll be watching the players and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but, I'll be looking at that LED board and I'll be looking at, I might even go on their Twitter and see how many followers they've got, see if they've done any good engagement stuff, engaging stuff on Twitter. I'll, every single thing that I'm doing, I'm constantly trying to self-improve my club, which is West Ham. And I'm lucky enough that I'm in the position that that can happen as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the amount of times that like, Karim must hate me, Karim runs the commercial with the men's stuff. <laughs> and I'll, I'll see that someone signs with something and I'll text them. I'll go, have we thought about speaking to these oh, people? Can we do we, this? Can we do this? Have we looked that. at this? Have we done that? Have we thought about this? Like constantly, it's constant. And he'll, he'll do the same to me and it, it probably less because he, he probably finds me annoying. And, um, <laughs> and it's, it's that sort of type stuff. And it'll be the same with Ben and, and all those people. And, and who Ben helps with the comms and communications. I'll be like, oh, I've just seen this in the paper. Have we thought ever about doing this? Or content. And he'll be like, oh, I've just seen this. Let's make sure we're doing this. And it's, you're constantly thinking about improving, self-improving, doing this, doing that. And it's, it's a constant, constant, constant grind. And what's quite good, though, is it's so reactive. It's like, okay, you lose on Sunday. 
uh, with the women's. On Monday, you, you're probably looking at the loss. By Tuesday, you're thinking about next Sunday, mm-hmm. making sure you win on then and making sure the mistakes you made last weekend you don't make this weekend and to make sure the things you did well last weekend you carry on doing well and to make sure it's the average that you, you improve on. It's like a constant grind. And even that summer is a constant grind because it's, okay, we need this player, we need this yeah, player, we need this yeah, player. Yeah. Okay, I think that would be. Players, let's do this. I think that would be the most exciting thing for me if if I was in your shoes, the the transfer sort of stuff. Is that sort of what you're you like the most about your job? It's the most fucking stressful. <laughs> um, the one thing, the one thing said I without hate, one little bit of a grin no, or a it's, smile. It's, it's it's that that's the thing where it's like, and do you know what's made it so much worse as well? So, like, mm. and I genuinely mean so much worse is the absolute lies and rubbish and rumours you see on Twitter Mm. and all of these other things that are so off the truth (laughs) and so bonkers. And then when something doesn't happen, that was never going to happen because there was no interest in the player whatsoever. Everyone goes mad. Everyone goes mad. And it frustrates me so much, (laughs) so much, so much. And it's it's one of those things of where I would love to, I would love to almost, like, and I couldn't because I, it, it's just not good to do. But I'd love to just reply to him and be like, "So, mate, <laughs> absolute rubbish." <laughs> but yeah, maybe steer clear of that, mate. No, a hundred percent. But it's 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 for me. I think it's it's in a way it's good. It keeps the fans engaged. But I I just think. I don't know. I'm gonna get on a rampage here, but I just think there's <laughs> we'll, so many things now. We don't want a rampage. We don't. Of where, of where I just I look at it and I read so much stuff, um, in in the press and some papers and stuff like this. They're not even they're not even journalists anymore. Sometimes, no, they're, generally, no. they're generally just churning out content. Yep. To, to like, that that they probably knows rubbish. <laughs> they probably heard themselves from a dodgy source they know they're a dodgy source or made it up themselves or made it up and they just whack it out there and I, I, I think in it, to be honest with you I think it's unfair on the supporters to put them through that yeah when, yeah. The, when the stuff's not correct but mm. it's it's one of those things where it's it's a stressful time it's super stressful it's hard I don't think anyone realises how hard it is no, no. um and it's 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 tough on the women's side. We're lucky; it's it's getting harder, um, and the money's growing, which is in one way good. In it's one way, yeah. it's it's good, but in another way, it's 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 uh it's it's harder because it's it's more money. And when you're it's it's more of a gamble now more than ever. You've got to make sure that your recruitment's done better. Um, we've been lucky; our recruitment's been pretty good overall. Um, on on the women's side, I th- I think it's been um. It's been an amazing sort of thing, especially on the women's, where everything's grown so much over the last two, well, over the last three years. I'm going into my fourth season now, which is crazy when you think about it. And mm. I still remember vividly losing six 0 to Charlton in a in a in a November, uh, late November. I think it was November. Dark, freezing black, cold, horrible, yeah. freezing cold, windy, horrible. Um, and then, and then I suppose still losing, but losing three 0 to Man City in the FA Cup final, which, was which a is a much better, much loss. better loss, <laughs> much better loss. But well, then at the same time, we've beaten Man United. 
Um, we've, oh, yeah. we've, we've won two much smaller trophies when, when we were in the third division. Um, and it's, it's beating Reading in the semi-final. It's, that was probably my favourite day ever filming mm. was probably winning, beating Reading in, in, the, in the semi-final. And I think it's been an absolute roller coaster ride that I probably, well, I wish I had a bit of a better start, to be honest. But apart from that, I probably wouldn't have changed for the, for, for the world. Is there anything else that you would go on record with saying you want to do in the future? Or is there, I know you've got the second series out uh, coming soon, but obviously you've already filmed that. So, you know, what's next? What, have you got anything on, on the agenda? To be honest, um, no, I, th- I think we're we're in a good place with the with the women's at the moment. Um, it's it's one of those things where there's a huge challenge for women's football, and it's been always the challenge is making women's football sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the biggest challenge that every single person, what's a person a bit weird there, every <laughs> single person needs to, every single person needs to build towards. It's it's a huge huge thing. Um, there's a there's a TV deal coming up for for the women's game. I think that's going to be a huge huge part of making women's football sustainable. Building it, yeah. Um, and I I think that I think and I want to encourage people to to give it a go. Honestly, to give it a go and and it's it's as simple as and I I say it's as simple as and and they they won't they probably won't think it will help like it will help. Is them watching the highlight show it's them watching BBC One or BT yeah, Sport just putting it's yourself following out us on Insta and then if they really want to give it a go and I'd be forever thankful it'd be them coming to a game when it's safe to do so hopefully sooner rather than later hopefully we're getting as many people down as possible and we need people back as quickly and as safely as possible and that is the key for us is making sure that we're just continually to grow at such a quick pace that we are and we never get complacent of oh we've done that now it's okay we've done that next milestone done that next milestone and that's the way that we have to continue to grow women's football and we can never slow down and we always need to speed up there's always new things to do new challenges to do and I think for, for me of where I'm so fortunate I'm, I'm I went I suppose back to back to your original question I'm so fortunate of where I can I, I don't have to do a job for money so I, I want to try and enjoy it as much as possible mm-hmm. and do stuff that where I can make a difference um, and, and, and we, can, we can try and grow something and make something great that's something that I've been so lucky with and I've been able to do with the women's team um, and I'd be forever thankful Um to, to my dad for, for, for the opportunities he's given me and continues to give me and the support that West Ham full stop has given the women's team has been absolutely second to none as well and something we should be so proud of and I suppose to an extent hopefully uh, another per- people to thank is the FA for giving us the opportunity to be in WSL which was a big gamble at the time and hopefully they will sit down and say that it's been paid off and we are we are a big asset in that women's super league family as such which is incredibly exciting to be part of and something that we need to continue to grow and we need to get people to games 
So please come to games. I'll come to a game, mate, as <laughs> soon as I can. Don't you worry. Um, but thanks so much anyway for your very uh, honest and transparent insight into all things Chuck Sullivan, all things Britain's youngest football boss. I just can't um, wait to see you strop, mate. <laughs> I'm really and, uh, excited and, for that bit. And thank you so much, Will, for having me. No worries. Thanks for being on Will Wonders, mate. Great Can stuff. And that's it for this episode. I hope you found it interesting. I hope you've learned something new. And I hope at the very least you didn't find us totally boring. I would like to say a big thank you to Jack for giving up his time and wish both himself and his team the best of luck for the season. I've been Will and you've been listening to Will Wonders. <laughs>